Mental Wellness Mondays is a podcast that focuses on your mental well-being. It is a partnership between Two Broke Twimbos and Wired to Love and Thrive, an organization that is there for your mental wellness. Uh, featuring, of course, everyone's favorite, Dr. Nyarai Paweni. But before I speak about today's guest and what we're going to be talking about on the podcast, let me start off by saying thank you to our sponsor. Our sponsor for Mental Wellness Mondays is Bonvi Medical Aid. Now you can find out more about Bonvi Medical Aid on a special landing page that we created for them on our website. It's twobroketwimbles.com forward slash Bonvi, B-O-N-V-I-E. That uh, means good life in French. Bonvi Medical Aid Scheme is a medical aid that cares about your physical and mental health. You can find out more information as well about the different plans they have that do include, by the way, um, psychiatric assistance where necessary. Facebook.com forward slash Bonvi Medical Aid Scheme or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Bonvi Medical. If you want to get in touch the old school way, you can contact Varaizo on 0787-060-037 and get more information about how you can sign up, perhaps yourself or family members who are back home in Zimbabwe to Bonvi Medical. Please support Bonvi and in turn, that shows support to us because Bonvi Medical is supporting us on this particular podcast. Holiday Dan is happy Dan. Holiday Dan is calm. He's, uh, he's, He's collected. He's in control. He enjoys his life. If you ever get a chance to meet Holiday Dan, please do uh, cherish that moment and uh, say nice things to him just to contribute to the calmness and the happiness. Welcome to the Mental Wellness Mondays podcast. Um, Here's what's going on. All right. Let me try and explain the situation. We're on holiday. We've taken a break from recording live content. However, we do realize that we want to give you regular content so that you don't forget about us while we're on holiday. So uh, here I am to introduce to you a section the mental health segment that was embedded within an earlier podcast. Um, just as a, as a brief history, uh, the mental health section was a section of the bigger Two Broke Twimbles podcast before it became its own podcast, Mental Wellness Mondays. Now, some of the earlier episodes uh, where we did have mental health discussions within the overall podcast, we thought, hey, let's extract that and make it its own podcast. Hence, Mental Wellness Mondays. And Hence, some of this holiday content where we were able to get some of those earlier discussions, put it into its own podcast. So, you know, it stands alone um, and you get to refresh some of the discussions we had. So this week in Mental Wellness Mondays, we are extracting a conversation we had not only with Dr. Nyarai of um, mental or rather of uh, Wired to Love and Thrive, but also with a a recovery coach specializing in addiction, uh, Luis Ngoro. We had a great conversation about uh, how to deal with addiction and uh, yeah, the, the current state of affairs in Zimbabwe and so on. So please do enjoy this Mental Wellness Mondays podcast. Don't forget, we still do need your support. We will be back in the new year stronger than ever, ready to give you fire content. So please do support us on twobroketumbos.com forward slash donate. Keep the podcast going. And please also remember our our sponsor, Bon V, uh, who are there also supporting the podcast. You can support just by checking them out and signing up if you are looking for medical aid um, for yourself or your family. All right, so without further ado, here's our conversation with uh, Luis Ngoro and Dr. Nyarai as uh, they discuss addiction and uh, some of the mental health uh, conversations that surround it. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the mental health segment on Two Broke Trimbos today is brought to you by Bon V Medical Aid Scheme. Now, uh, as some of you may know, Phil and I have been looking for some partners for our mental health segment, uh, some people with the muscle and ability to be able to ha- help us help even more people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bon V has gladly come on board 
And uh, they have some uh, incredible plans and resources and support structures that can help you get effective mental health treatment as well. So if you want to find out more, what you can do is go to twobroketwimbles.com forward slash Bon V. That's B-O-N-V-I-E. Um, or you can check them out on their social media, Bon V Medical Aid Scheme on their Facebook. And you can find out some more information. Yes, yes, yes. And today we have a, a wonderful guest. We have none other than Mr. Luis Ngoro. He's a certified recovery coach and the founder of Wasoko Recovery Coaching. And Wasoko Recovery Coaching uh, was established to foster growth and healing for individuals who are suffering from different life and addiction issues. That's, that's, that's an interesting uh, description there, Lewis. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? So addiction um, covers quite a lot. Um, I know a lot of people will immediately go to alcohol and drugs. But um, mm-hmm. I actually have much more addictions. Um, some addicted to sugar, some are addicted to um, to sex, um, medication as well. And it's just—I I feel like there's no need to sub to, to just to just talk, like you, you know you, you could have just come to me in, like privately, like you don't have to be like on my show. Pornography. Remember, we have addiction. therapy for all your needs. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Please continue. Addicted to success. <laughs> That's correct. I mean, Sorry. there are people that are addicted to working, but um, at the back of it, it, it pretty much is something that someone finds to to mask away from reality, mask away from um, some underlying issues they don't want to confront or face. And mm-hmm. when it becomes an addiction, then it's sometimes becomes a harm to yourself and others. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what it is. Oh, wow, 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 wow. So why don't you tell us about your personal journey? Like how did you um, discover this line of work? Okay. Um, I discovered this line of work um, after going into treatment myself. And after a rock bottom situation, um, I'd been drinking for close to two decades and experimented mm-hmm. with different substances, uh, pretty much just to try and deal life in my own way. Um, and I didn't realize how it had become an addiction because I was so deep in it. I was very lost in it. And mm. over time, I then started not showing up at work on time. Sometimes I wouldn't show up at work at all, um, starting businesses and not getting, you know, in the right um, good relations with partners, um, mm-hmm. getting into a lot of debt just to manage and maintain my habits. So it became just a vortex and uh, piling up of, of, of situations that just became enormously overwhelming and on many occasions, I, I pretty much wanted to tap out and, and take my life. Um, but this mm. all happened in, I was very secretive about my, my addiction. Um, those that are close to me, um, at some point, were just in shock that it's an addiction. Oh, we didn't know it was this bad. But mm. it t- took a very long and painful journey to, to get into a rock bottom situation, which was very painful. And at that point, um, I'd run out of options. And yeah, I, I asked for help. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. wow. 
And, and how did that help come to you, if, if you don't mind sharing? So the help came to me. Um, I was actually with my sister and I had just um, previous night. So in, in the last five years of, of my drinking excessively, I developed blackouts, which were um, becoming quite harmful and including car accidents, um, altercations. And I always woke up the next day not understanding or not knowing what happened. And mm-hmm. on the very last, um, my last night that I had something to drink, um, I damaged quite a lot of property. Um, and I knew if I continued on that path, I really felt I was going to die. Um, and I was pretty much in a place where I was really tired of, of living. I was tired of the trouble. I was tired of just disappointing myself and others. So help came in the form of making phone calls to a treatment center. And I pretty much checked in the, the very next day. And I started a, a three-month-long um, treatment program, um, which I pretty much put my head down and, and I gave it my best. So that was the turn for me. So I, I think um, what, what I find most intriguing is you were able to hit rock bottom and you set your sights on recovery and from, 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 from everything, it seems like you, like you've, you've made a recovery um, and you've managed to, to stick to that path. A lot of addicts aren't able to do that. Um, can you speak to what it was about your journey where you were so determined to um, right the ship as it were and stay on track and where is it where some people might struggle to do the same? The best way I could put it is it works if you work it. If you apply yourself mm. to a new way of living, a new lifestyle, I had to make a decision to not continue with certain um, behaviors. And I had to mm. now stick with using the tools that I'd learned in treatment that I'd learned from my recovery program if I wanted to remain sober. So mm. there was a lot of letting go. There was a lot of surrendering and accepting that I was an addict. I was an alcoholic. And understanding what the disease of alcoholism is and the pain that's surrounding that kind of reminds me every day that I'm still an alcoholic. I'm not cured of it. So this is a daily choice that I make every day and daily practices that I have to connect with. And the biggest one of all of them is that you, you continue to serve and, and of service to, to an alcoholic who's still suffering. So that keeps me sober. <laughs> um, I think now being a, a recovery coach yourself, I think a lot of people will will um, quite easily relate to you because you've actually been through uh, your own recovery. Um, I think that's great that um, you you were able to pull yourself out of that uh, along with help, and that you can also offer the same help to others. Did you did you know you were an addict before you started on the steps before recovery, or like at which point did you know that this was no longer just um, a coping mechanism or no longer just um, something else. This is actually addiction. 
I knew I had a problem because once I started my first drink, I couldn't stop. Mm. And when I started having problems with my employers, when I started having problems with my relationships, um, when I started having financial problems, the common denominator around all of that was alcohol. And I knew what the problem was. I was mm. not accepting of it because I enjoyed drinking. I enjoyed connecting with, with um, connecting socially um, with alcohol. I felt if I was not drinking, I felt I couldn't connect. I couldn't, um, I couldn't speak. I wasn't that confident. But once I had something to drink, I felt it's easier for me to manage and connect and conversate. And whatever ideas I had in my mind, I felt once I had something to drink, I could execute them. So this was a mental obsession that stuck with me for a very, very long time. And insanely so, because the reality was I was actually creating a lot of wreckage in that time. Sure. It's quite, quite the story, eh? But uh, I think a lot of people um, might be able to identify certain traits or certain things in themselves. Um, you, you know what? Um, is it okay if we call you Lewis? <laughs> Perfectly. <so I'm> <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing on this section. Anyway, <laughs> you know what, Lewis? Um, a, a lot of our listeners um, really appreciate the mental health section because um, they haven't they haven't received any professional help. They haven't been to a therapist or a coach or any kind of professional help. And they just haven't taken that step, but perhaps they're looking for the motivation to or a reason to or a direction to go in case they need to. So I think it's helpful perhaps if we could start off with um let's let's talk about the signs and symptoms that show that you do have an addiction. And like you mentioned earlier, some of them are not the obvious ones that we know of, like drugs and alcohol. Some of them are uh, uh, many other kinds of uh, potential addictions. So what signs would you say someone would need to look out for that could perhaps show that they are at the point of addiction? Okay, thank you for that. Um, such a brilliant question. I, I would say for, for someone that is kind of not sure if they're an addict or if um, – they feel they, they've got it manage, uh, managed. Mm. We want to say if you cannot drink like a gentleman, if you cannot have maybe half a glass of a beer and call it a night, if you cannot have maybe a glass of wine and, you know, feel like, you know. But I that's need just to wasteful and, because like half a glass, then you've got to throw that half out and then you open the wine and then that's going to go bad. <laughs> if you can't stop at one line and you need to snort more, then I mean... <laughs> But the, the dealer gave me a special two for one. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> okay, you know this isn't funny. That, this that's is why serious. I call it a gentleman Damn. drinking like a gentleman. So, I mean, it starts there, and if you see yourself becoming um, of trouble to others, you are kind of finding yourself in altercations. You are not showing up at work at the right time because you are hungover, and um. You're drinking every day excessively and um, you're spending a lot of money on alcohol, experiencing blackouts. Um, those are some of the signs, but 
the key for me is a lot of feedback. But the key. Sorry about that. That's our producer Godwin. <laughs> Thanks, Godwin. Um, but what I saw was an indication for myself was I started to to hide alcohol, stashing it around the house, and mm-hmm. it became something I didn't want people to know about. I started to try and manage by drinking lighter beers putting more ice, so many tricks because I knew I couldn't hold my liquor. Okay. So there was a level of self-awareness. So, And for, from the conversation, I think also what Dan is trying to get at is also what I've been thinking is um, I, come of, I come from a family of functional alcoholics and some are non-functional alcoholics. And as a youth, I, I would see it and it's part of why I, I really have a problem with drinking today is because I used to see the way they used to behave. You, I, I would literally see five crates wouldn't last um, the morning. Like someone would go to the bottle store, 8 a.m., come back with five crates. Light work. Before, before lunch, done. Light work. Light work. Five crates. But if I were to speak to those individuals and say, you're an alcoholic, they would laugh me out the room. They were like, no, of course I'm not. I I, I I may drink, I may get drunk. These are individuals and adults and parents who might pass out um, towards the end of the night and so forth. I recognize it as alcoholism, but they might not. If you are in that situation, and in Zimbabwe, I think it's, it's, it's somewhat a common occurrence because we do have a very big drinking culture in Zimbabwe. If you have a loved one who is displaying those symptoms of alcoholism, but they don't have that level of self-awareness and understanding, or they're even in denial, how do you help them? How how can you... Yeah, basically that. How can you help them? Well, I got so many interventions and mm. I was very defensive. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to own up and I pretty much tell them, I don't think I have a drinking problem. So it's very difficult to tell someone they are an alcoholic. And because alcohol is such... Um, social acceptable um drinking at weddings um drinking um family gatherings breakfast it's very difficult to to see it in that moment and unfortunately it's such a progressive disease many of us only you know get help or realize that it is that bad after such a long time i mean it took me 18 years you know, mm. with the hard drugs, it might be sooner because um, we we kind of deteriorate faster. We we kind of get mm-hmm. into uh, mental um, psychosis even much quicker. So, I think we need to start looking at having the courageous conversations and not to put a spotlight on the person. Maybe you know, I knew I was drinking because of depression, of anxiety. There were so many other underlying stuff, and I didn't want to deal with life in my sober state. Mm. That's the truth. Mm. And so do, when do, I started to go for it, please go ahead, Louis. Please go ahead. Yes. So when I got the interventions, when a group of friends of mine would sit me down and ask me, "Do you have a drinking problem? Why don't you try a different lighter?" I felt I was being judged. I felt I was not, you know, how am I going to fit in? I'm a guy. 
how am I going to, you know, get together with everyone and, and have two beers and go home. That's not going to work for me. But with the drinking, there is something that a lot of us um, were not aware of. I was not aware of that. I actually had a physical reaction when I had my first drink, which is I developed a, an overwhelming craving for more alcohol. So there's the mental mm-hmm. obsession that I need to just forget about whatever issues that I don't want to talk about, whatever problems that I'm facing in, in my life or some traumatic situation I just want to block out of my, my, my thinking. And the, the craving overpowered me and the, uh, the mental obsessing about alcohol. My question when I got invited to an event was, is there booze? Going to a wedding, is there enough alcohol? If it's a party, is it just a sober party? What's going on? That became my driving. <laughs> my drive was to go to any place. There had to be alcohol. So that's the mental yeah. obsession. Constantly thinking about wanting a drink. And once I have the drink, then the physical craving just takes charge of everything. So I think the, the part that is really getting me is the sentences you just rattled off about signaling addiction, those are common questions. I, there are so many people that we know when we say there's an event, there's a birthday party, there's whatever. Rufu, you guys are forgetting. Even funerals, people are asking. Exactly. <laughs> Work meetings, breakfast. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, you, 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 you know what I mean? Um, a, 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 a child's christening even. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's why I'm saying, like, I think your level of self-awareness is very different. And this is anecdotal, of course, to what I have come across because from my, from what I've seen and my experience, I do feel culturally we are a nation that relies heavily on alcohol. And those interventions that you highlighted, I can't imagine them going well, even with people of our generation. And we've tried having interventions before with individuals where we've seen that they might have reliance on alcohol, but they become extremely defensive. So I think in that respect, using your expertise, let's do a little bit of a role play. Um, Ooh, yes, exciting. <laughs> okay, so Dan is my friend. Every time I invited Dan somewhere, he's always like, "Ah, oh, Phil, where are the drinks?" You know. And then Dan, Dan is the type he'll he'll maybe start stashing a few beers in his pockets. You gotta have some for later. He put some beers in his car. <laughs> he's always smelling of alcohol. It's not my fault they make it like that. Sometimes you you, you might see him wearing the same clothes he was wearing the night before, but he's already at hillside. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That type of thing. So no, I, I'm like, Dan, listen, Dan, we need to talk. Dan, I'm worried about your drinking. I think you might be alcoholic. You're jealous because you can only drink pink drinks. Okay, fair and fine. But Dan, you, you got fired last week. Why did you get fired? The haters. They're haters and... It was my drink. <laughs> no, he's supposed to be. He's supposed, he's supposed to be adamant. He's supposed to be. <laughs> well, actually, so just we we're, we're supposed to finish the role play so okay, we can, sorry, can give sorry, us guidance. Sorry. So, Dan, why did they fire you last week? Um, they claimed that I came to work drunk, but I wasn't drunk. I did mm-hmm. have half a bottle of vodka for breakfast, but mm-hmm. that's just so that I can think better. 
Dan, you peed yourself right now. Does, doesn't everyone? Okay. Dan, <laughs> I think you need help. Your man needs help. Okay. Now, Louis, <laughs> we now come to you. We now have a man who's clearly suffering and he's in denial. What's the next step? Denial is a so, Egypt. All right. If, if Dan was my friend, um, mm. the first thing is to understand that something is definitely going on and my approach needs to be mm. more compassionate than anything. And mm-hmm. that was probably... Phil wasn't comp- he wasn't compassionate. <laughs> he wasn't compassionate. It's his fault. <laughs> because remember, he's, this, this has become something that he relies on so much, um, like a best friend. Mm-hmm. And we are kind of threatening the best friend that he relies on for, for everything. So my approach mm-hmm. would probably be, um, would you be happy to tell me what's really going on? I'm, I'm noticing that you're drinking a bit too much and you're kind of getting into so much trouble. If ever you feel you mm-hmm. need to talk, I'm here. If ever you feel you need help, I'm here to support you. And if it means finding other places to get you some help, I'm here to walk that journey with you. So you're not just highlighting the problem, but also now looking at a solution because a lot of addicts are like, okay, so if I stop, then what happens? Mm-hmm. You know, and also I'm being judged. Um, a lot of people are just pointing out where I'm messing up. I'm always having car accidents. I'm always saying the wrong things when I'm, when I'm high. And underneath all of that, we're not sure. We don't know why the guy is drinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very yeah, important yeah. to be firm and highlight the problem that, Dan, I do notice that you're drinking a bit too much. And I'm noticing you might have a drinking problem. I'm not judging you, but I'm here to support and no one likes to be told that. It's like amongst men, it's like, dude, you can't hold your liquor. You're not holding it's like your a sign of weakness. It's, it's a sign of weakness. You only had five beers and you're acting like that. Come on. Now you're trying to manage yourself in that, you know, um, the whole masculinity thing. It's, it's the big thing amongst men. And mm. with those suffering from alcoholism, they are suffering in silence, in bars, in families, um, wherever they are drinking, just to be part of part of the gang. <laughs> oh, uh, can I? I just want to make a disclaimer. I feel like the role play is great. <laughs> just to be clear to everyone, this was just acting. You're very good at it, though. I must say, I'm, a little I, too I, good. I don't have a problem with alcohol. Are you sure, Dan? I am very sure. <laughs> um, the, you know, Lewis, I think the whole time that we've been talking, I'm sure myself and Phil, as he said, and probably many of our listeners immediately start thinking of someone they know. And I, I sadly know several people who seem to fit like the mold that we're describing, which is uh, it's almost like alcohol has become a crutch, a friend. It's something that they obsess over. Um, perhaps some people even recognize it in themselves. And I think we're trying to figure out like, okay, so now if this is a situation, do, 
how do how do how do you find the people that you help with recovery? Do they come to you voluntarily? Is it their family and friends that bring them in an intervention of some kind? Do you go out knocking door to door and identifying the hang the hangover people and dragging them off to an institution? Which I, I might say might not be a bad idea, but anyway. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely all of the situations that you've you've described. I believe everyone has a unique recovery journey. Everyone starts differently. And my journey, I believe, did not start when I went to treatment. It started from the earlier conversations that someone had with me that highlighted to me that there is a problem. And I started to run from that problem, but I knew it was there. And the the interventions, they help because some people do cave in in that intervention, depending on how it is approached and depending on a person's readiness, but it all lies with the addict when they actually do admit that they have a problem and they need help. Some cases, people are forced to go to treatment and the reality hits them and they decide, whoa, I didn't notice it was this bad. I'm going to get with this program anyway. So it's, it's a unique um, journey for everybody. And I'm, I'm definitely, you know, in, in the place of encouraging us to have the strong, difficult conversations because it is there that as, as men and women as well, because we're all affected by, by addiction. We're all affected by it. Mm. And yes, there's a lot of focus around alcohol because it is socially acceptable and it's something we do anywhere and everywhere. But some are actually addicted to prescription medication. You know, when you find yeah. someone taking grandpa, five of them, six of them in a day, and um, some people are taking a month's um, prescription in a couple of days, that's an addiction. And because it's mm. prescribed, we are not, you know, he's just saying, yeah, that's my prescribed medication. I need it. I want to sleep. But you got to look at those signs. Is the person sleeping too much? Or are they staying up too late? Are they drinking alone? I used to do that a lot. So I went from drinking with my buddies a lot. And sometimes I was just okay drinking by myself. But drinking by yourself, is, is that socializing? It's not. Are you, are you depressed about something? You know? And while you're picking up a drink just to manage your anxiety around um, some future event or some situation that you're in. So mm -hmm. there's a broader conversation that needs to be had about the different types of addiction and maybe making it creating platforms such as this, where it's okay to talk about it in our cultural context is where we can't speak to dad about his drinking problem. We can't speak to, Am I guru? Because I've uh, always, you know, in that manner. But once we start coming from a place of love, I truly see this working. Um, I was very defensive about my addiction, big time. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that was something I was not willing to give up. But I guess you know the other conversation we need to have is the seriousness of the problem 
addicts, alcoholics end up in three places, jail, mental institutions, hospitals, and the graveyard. So those are some of the serious facts we need to discuss because at the end of the day, the very same family that is guarding and tiptoeing around the problem, you're going to drink, you're going to deal with um, a loved one who's died after driving in a blackout. And that happens a lot. I was driving mm. whilst blacked out a lot. That's the seriousness of it. I got into trouble with the law. And the real situation underneath that was alcohol. Mm. I didn't manage to get to the third place, but it was a life and death matter. So I think when we really look at it as a life and death matter, a lot of people are overdosing on, on many substances. That's a real conversation. So when it becomes a serious conversation that affects everybody, um, upper class, middle class, lower class, there is a situation in Zimbabwe right now, crystal meth. It's a big situation. Um, conversations are being had about around it, but do we have the support? Do we know what crystal meth is? Do families know what crystal meth is? So they're only dealing with the behaviors and they don't understand. They're missing light bulbs and they don't understand what's the, what's the deal with that? Why is my television, you know, why did my son steal my television set? No. So now it comes from, you know, we kind of tiptoeing with Dan about his addiction to having a real hard <laughs> intervention with facts. And I mean, my daughter could have, might, might not have had a father by now had I continued on that path. Okay. So I, I think you, you've laid some pretty good groundwork down. Um, and I think some of our listeners, the, the, their most pertinent question is, I, I've done all the steps. I've identified someone with a problem. We've intervened with love and care and compassion. They've, I, and let's say they remain adamant. They remain defiant or they relapse. In fact, no, let's save relapse. Let's just say they, they, just, they, they remain defiant and they don't want to listen or they don't really want to acknowledge that they have a problem. What do we do then? Nothing. Well, yeah, I, it, I was going to say it, like... It, it is a very difficult place and I will share with you, I became a real misfit to my family because of my addiction and they tried to help. Um, the spiritual way, um, the intervention way, I didn't want the help. And it's, it's a very difficult conversation to have with an addict who doesn't want help. So you'd find a guy that's on the, you know, he's living on the streets, but you know he's coming from a good home. And it's easy to look at that picture and say, the family doesn't support him, they don't love him. But addiction is very powerful. And I'm not trying to give it a lot of props or anything, but once it is in full swing and one is it's uncontrollable at, at certain stages and people do give up. That's the reality. And we get into trouble with the law. Like I said, we go into long-term prison sentence and 
um, end up in mental institutions. And this is just the reality, you know. Um, what can be done? Love and tolerance. But again, it does wear out, you know. Some people cannot handle it beyond that. And this has become part of my work as well because I can relate. I understand the pain in addiction. So the giving up part on my end is, yeah, I try not to give up. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, sorry, is there something you want to say there? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, very often when we speak about, uh, in many conversations that we've had in this mental health section, one thing that we often come back to is it's very difficult to help someone who doesn't want to be helped. And that's obviously very often the first step that that person must realize that there's a problem that needs to be fixed or um, they must be open to someone helping them. If not, then, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Um, we, we, I think we've spoken to many specialists, many mental health experts and, and you know, in the different elements that we discuss that comes up quite often. The person w needs to want to be helped. Um, yeah. so. and, and, I, and I also, yeah, and I also think we have to appreciate that our issues are layered, right? So somebody has an addiction. Do they have trauma? Do they have depression? Do they have something else that's underlying that they're trying to numb and mask? It's just, there's so many layers and the person has to be willing to be vulnerable and to, the journey isn't easy. I mean, to come from addiction and to be in recovery and recovery is every day, but you still have to face your demon that started you on your addiction. Um, so it's 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 not an easy road when you're addressing mental health, and you know your trauma is going to be different from my trauma. Um, but you know, like I, I think what I really appreciate what Lewis is saying is, do we have compassion? And I think that's the new movement in in addressing addiction is, you know, um, can we address not just the physicality of the addiction, but what is happening mentally and emotionally that's leading somebody to be an addict, whether it's porn, whether it's sex, whether it's gambling, whether it's whatever, you know, retail um, addiction, shopping all the time or whatever it is, you know, or is it work? But what, what is at the bottom of that? And, you know, really unpacking that. And maybe it happened to you two years ago. Maybe it happened to you when you were two years old. But you have to work through that, and yeah. and yeah, some some sometimes families give up, but you then have to find a new tribe that's going to help you, and you have Definitely. to make amends with these people. <laughs> mm. No, I think you hit it succinctly. Um, I think oh yeah, obviously since you're in Cape Town, um, if we we do have listeners in South Africa. Um, are you aware of any resources available to people in South Africa or in Cape Town um, who need help um, and then preferably um, resources they, that they can access for free or at minimal cost to help them with addiction, uh, Lewis? Uh, apart from Wasoko Recovery Coaching. I was thinking the Aliyup team that <laughs> Sorry, please go ahead. I was setting it up, and you let it do it, and then you ruined it. You just said you just said you ruined it. But it's not my fault. It's the alcohol. It's, it drives me. Um, very, very much so. Um, 
we have support groups um, in in our cities. Mm-hmm. Cape Town, Joburg, Harare, Mutari, there are support groups. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is huge in all of these cities. Narcotics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, treatment facilities that have inpatient, outpatient programs. Um, government institutions, they are available. And we really need to start looking at it as something that is okay to explore and and speak about. I think at the core of it, it starts, I guess charity begins at home as well. Um, Those conversations, when they start being um, had at at home, there is no shame in saying, yeah, my brother's gone to, to rehab, you know? Mm-hmm. and okay. going to a support group to get help. You know, we need to start looking at it as, as something that is pos- positive. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, um, there are support groups that help. Not everybody needs to go to treatment facility for them to come right, for them to get better. Um, they're online. There's so many support structures now. I must say, though, that... In, in the Zimbabwean context, um, we definitely need more support around treatment facilities, affordable treatment for addiction. Yes, I, yeah, I totally mm-hmm. agree. And I Affordab- think also support for the family, right? Like Alanon. Definitely. Um, support for family because they're dealing with the problem and they don't have the tools. They don't understand what the problem is. How do I talk to him when he's in this state? Who do I call? And, you know, how do I exercise the tough love? And things are going missing at home. Mm. Someone, I mean, I had a conversation with someone and the microwave disappeared. And everyone knew we had done ah, it. Our microwaves don't disappear, bro. <laughs> <laughs> ah, my spoon, spoons, yes. Spoon, you know, disappear. Microwave, ah. <laughs> you know. I, I, I had a, well, one, one of our uh, our mutual friends, Phil, um, he, he graduated from small things to laptops. And just, you know, just. Oh, is the laptop missing? I don't know anything about it. It's like, come on. It's, we know it's you. Like, come on. Ah, you, you never heard the story, Philip. I'll tell you when we're not on microphones. Uh, I don't, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, it's in the family. It's, it's, it's in the family. Uh, yeah, it's hey. in the family, yeah. Ah, uh, you know, okay. Uh, let's, 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 let's end on a, on a lighter note. <laughs> yes. Sorry, dog. Uh, sorry, Luz, please yes. continue. No, I'm, I'm listening. Moment, yeah, it's been really heavy. I wanted to say, let us all take a deep breath because this has been really intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, what we need right now. We need some. Let, let's get some beers. You know, just to lighten the mood. Some shots, <laughs> some shots all around, just to yeah, just to break the tension. Because <laughs> yeah, this yeah, we're being funny because this is a serious shot, issue. Um, sh- shot of I, of beetroot <laughs> juice. <laughs> Yeah, chase yes. chase with vodka, sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, but but yeah, I mean, 
I think like we've done a good job in identifying the problem, but it's so frustrating what and setting to, to me, yeah. like what to do, because that's the next, because that's naturally that's how my brain works. I'm a problem solver and it's very saddening and, and frustrating to know that so many people um, are dealing with this. And because no one really acknowledges or reports or seeks proper treatment, I wouldn't say nobody, but uh, the vast majority don't seem to. Um, the numbers are very skewed. So we, we don't really have a full understanding as to how pervasive this is. But the fact that five of us here can say we know at least three people who all do the same thing is just testament to how pervasive this is. Um, and I really want to make sure that we, we, we offer our listeners as much help, like practical help as we can. Um, and like you said, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and hopefully those, those can, those work. And then, um, I think we'll also try and do our best to just. Called, yeah, Alonin. Alonin. Is that how you say it? The one for Alanon. families. Alonin. Alonin. Yeah, they do how, online. How do you spell that? Um, give me Al- a second. Or oh, is that like Alcoholics Anonymous, Alonin? It's for, it's for, for families. families. Yes, it's okay. A L. Yeah. Okay, yeah. L anon. So it's two words: A L dash anon. Meety. Okay. Yes. Um, we'll put it in the resources. And as we mentioned, um, now that we have a sponsor, we will now be building out a full web page with resources and answers um, to direct people to um, counselors like Lewis and and their platforms and so forth. Uh, yeah, man. Oof. I think we're definitely going to have have you back if if you're up to it um, sometime soon, and then we'll discuss like relapses and and so forth because I I think that's that's a whole different kettle of fish altogether, mm. and, uh, and especially for those who may have questions, perhaps yourself, may, perhaps you recognize signs of addiction in yourself or in your family, and if you want to ask some questions, you can send them through. Don't forget twobroketwimbles dot com forward slash help, and then maybe at some point we can bring Lewis back on and discuss some of those questions. Definitely. That's definitely. If, that's if you are not completely put off by us there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I love connecting ah, with that and uh, brilliant, brilliant platform. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, I lose. I, I don't. I don't yeah. mean to pry. Um, but as a recovering addict, so are you? Have, did you go completely cold turkey? Like you don't drink at all now? I cannot drink. So okay. I must not drink. Uh, so I've always wondered, like you know, in if movies they ask, one, like, "How long have you been sober?" Sorry, you said you have what? I cannot have one. I know my friends are like, "I'm sure you can have one now," but I know mm. I'm gonna want to have twenty four or forty eight. Jeez. Mm. So I'm not cute. Um, <laughs> I, I respect that. I respect that. Wow. Uh, and then the second question I had is, you know, you know, like in movies, whenever they meet a recovering addict, they always go like, so how long have you been sober? And then they'll be like, yeah, I've been two years sober. Then they'll pull out their little badge. Is that, is that an invasive question or is, is that normal? It is normal. Um, and I'm going to say it in this context. So I always feared what will happen if I stop? How am I going to have fun? How am I going to engage in society? How am I like, how am I going to chill with my boys? Now, the journey in recovery, that's something that I also share with others. That's what I also talk about because there is such a bright light on that other side of the fence. Now that the cloud is actually gone, now that I've looked and dealt with some of the underlying stuff 
um, my fears, my anxiety, my depression, I'm able to do some of the things that I've always wanted to do, and which is to live a full life and connect with humans in a sober, present state. And a lot of mm. magic has happened in my time of being sober. Okay, my friends right. call it you've rebranded yourself. So <laughs> I guess. <I'm- laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So do, do you mind if I ask, like, how long have you been sober? Um, two and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so I had loaded up a, a sound pad with effects that aren't working. It's okay. I, I, I got, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, Lewis. How long have you been sober? <laughs> Two and a half years. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for sharing. Thank you for being so open and transparent with us and sharing your insights. And yo, this is, it has been like, um, uh, like, like Dr. Yara said, it's been a heavy discussion. Um, I think mostly because we can all identify just how big of a problem it is in Zim. Uh, and I, I know we were focusing very much on alcoholism, but like you mentioned, you know, now we got the worry of crystal meth growing and uh, probably many other kinds of addictions. And in, in a, a place like Zimbabwe where there's, mm. where it's tough, I'm sure your, yeah. the, the, the list of things is probably mm. very long. Uh, I'm noticing another troubling addiction, Makua, you know, Yo. you know, it's, 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 it's really <laughs> no, plaguing. From, from Zim celebs to. You, hey, wa, 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 doro, wa, hey, hey, yeah, it's bad. You know, people uh, just don't mind the business anymore. It's bad. But yeah, um, Lewis, thank you so much. Um, this was a very insightful conversation. I think a very necessary conversation. Um, and no pun intended, a sobering conversation because, um, <laughs> I said no pun then. Um, be, because a lot of people, I think, needed to hear this and a lot of people, um, hopefully start doing some reflection and maybe also try and help the people in their lives who, seem to be displaying symptoms of addiction. So, yeah. Uh, I, I hope they're gulping down these words. That, you know, they're properly mixing it together and drinking in the words. <laughs> I, th- so, I, think, I think what we have to do is remove the shame because I think sometimes we don't deal with these issues of addiction because we are ashamed and we feel as household i think you know thanks yeah. for creating mm-hmm. this space so we can have these conversations and people know they're not alone you know there are other people who are going through the same thing and just to remove the shame and the shadowiness about this topic Definitely. and it's not unmanly to not hold your liquor do you know what i mean just people people have different metabolisms different bodies different yeah, that that was such a huge thing earlier. Because have you ever have you have you ever tried to tell someone, you know, um, I don't think you can drive. Give me your keys. It's D- like Dan, you you know very well, <laughs> and you're bringing up very painful memory because there there's a painful memory behind this where someone we know actually got into a very tragic accident um, based off this. So uh, yeah, this there's just too many there's just too many stories that we can pull from. Ah, uh, but yeah, anyway, no. <sighs> Thank you, Lewis, so much. If people want to get hold of you, if people want to support your cause, um, where can they find you on the socials and how can they contact you? At Lewis Wasoko, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. 
and um, I'll definitely mm-hmm. share my my contact numbers um, with you guys. And yeah, um, but it's mostly on those platforms, and I'll be happy to support um, as much as I can. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, this is a journey for me, and uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing and creating these battles for us to have these courageous conversations. I don't believe anyone is too far gone as long as they're willing to have a conversation, as long as they're willing to, to say, I do need help. You know, it, it, it mm-hmm. will come. Definitely, definitely. Um, and just to make sure people get the spelling right, that's L U L E, sorry, L E W I S W A S O K O. That's Louis Wasokos. So Louis with an E, not with a O or a U. Um, thank, thank you so much, Louis. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for giving us your time. This was a great chat and we will definitely be in touch, um, soon and, and, and see, um, how best we can work together. And we're always in Cape Town, so we shall hit you up. Awesome. We can go have a juice. Thank me. <laughs> Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Louis. Thanks, Thanks Dr. Nyerai. Thanks. Yeah. Good to, good to chat with you guys today. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. Thank you for staying up as well. Enjoy your evening. You too. Stay well. Thanks, Thank guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Louis. Bye, Doc. Bye. All right, that's our mental health segment uh, section of the show brought to you by Bon V Medical Aid Scheme. That's Bon, B-O-N-V-V-I-E, meaning good life. Mm-hmm. So, yes, please check them out on uh, twobroketimbles.com forward slash Bon V. We've put together a page where you can learn a little bit more about uh, the different packages that are available. Bon V is a medical aid scheme that cares about your mental health and gives you an opportunity to access uh, treatment, resources, and support for your uh, not just uh, mental health, but any medical issues that you may have. So twobroketrimbos.com forward slash Bon V, or you can search for Bon V on the different social media pages to get more information about Absolutely. them. Or you can just check the description. We'll include a link in the show notes. Um, so and yeah. yeah. And shout out to Bon V for sponsoring. Shout out to them for, for being part of our mental health initiative. We appreciate it. We definitely do because they're at the forefront and they're, they're at the forefront of it. And, uh, and it, it means a lot to us that we, that we have a partner who's willing to support us as uh, we do more. In the mental health space. We broke, we broke, we broke.